presented by Mountain High Appliance. KKFN and KKFN HD1 Longmont Denver. Head to denversports.com slash mentor to learn how you can become a mentor today. Be a mentor. Be a fan. Presented by Mountain High Appliance. Denver Sports Snapshot. Saturday on the fan. Air Force takes on Robert Morris starting at 1030. Then on ESPN Denver 1600, home of the Colorado State Rams. CSU battles Washington State. Sunday on the fan. Morehouse squares off with Virginia Union at 130. Snapshot presented by Shop BMW. One price, one person, one hour. Sports Radio 1043 The Fan presents Football at Four. Here's the drive. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Broncos, Broncos, Broncos were freaking awesome. How about this? Down at five for the Niners. Oh, that's the Niners. They weren't that awesome. Hold on. We'll get, we'll get them. We'll get them here at one point or another. Anyways, they were awesome. I'll figure it out, Matt. Matt Smith in with me. Sorry, getting a little distracted here. Focus. Focus. Laser focus. Biggest takeaway from the preseason game. There were some available spots, and you had players come up and seize an opportunity. They are able now to carry a little momentum as far as the vibes go into the regular season. Outside of that, I don't know how much the game actually meant because it wasn't representative of what we're going to see on Sundays did, whatsoever. Did this matter? Out of the gun, Stidham. Texans good. Okwebunam on the receiving end. Pick up a 13. Alberto continuing to make plays. There you go, Ryan Harris. That's the way to handle that. It might have happened. Forget about the pronunciation. It might have helped. Did that matter? It might have helped for him, yeah. It definitely helped for him one way or another. If it's not here, it'll be somewhere else. <laughs> Heck, it might even be for the Rams if it's not here because they got the front row seat to it. Seven catches, 109 yards, long of 24, one-handed grabs, touchdown. And I heard the Zokely show talk about, could you imagine a package where Dulcich and Alberto were on the field at the same time? Actually, yeah. Why? I don't know, because I stood right next to it during training camp, and they did it. And Matt, it was a headache. It was a problem. It was in the red zone, maybe about the 13-yard line or so, and you have other receivers spread out, and you got Dulcich and Alberto. And Matt, both of them were open on that particular play. One guy went a you know, little in route. Other guy went to the end zone. Both were options. And in this particular play, it was Dulcich in the end zone for a touchdown from Russell Wilson. Well, with the... That's a problem for defense. Yeah, with the nature of their wide receiver room right now, they're shorthanded at playmakers, right? They need guys who are going to be able to step up and contribute on Sundays. And right now, you're going to add little Jordan Humphrey, presumably, to this roster. You're going to add Brandon Johnson, presumably, to this roster. Neither of them have a deep history or track record of making plays. So the Broncos are now in a position where, heading into camp, we thought that the wide receiver room was one of the deepest position, actually the deepest position on this team. Now you're in a situation where you're shorthanded with playmakers. You need guys who are going to be able to step up and move the chains. And you might even be willing to look past a few flaws 
in their game if they can provide a strength on the field for you, which Alberto clearly demonstrated an ability to be a good receiver the other night. We'll see if it matters. I think it probably does. I think it probably does. I think he probably makes the team based upon his strong performance. The Broncos did not do something today. That was the big news. They did not cut anybody today. The news was there was no news? The news was that, yeah, they didn't move forward. I just think it's a little interesting that they would let go of Kendall Hinton, J.J. Koski, Nick Williams, Delonte Hood, Alden Wave. They got rid of um, Isaiah Prince. They did that all yesterday, but they did not make, and they're not going to make any moves today and do the rest. I just, I just think that's an interesting process on how they're doing stuff. And the fact that they didn't make a move today, it, it makes me, if I'm putting on some tinfoil, it makes me wonder, are they holding on on things today for other reasons? Are their eyes just on other prizes and they really just don't want to get into the, you know, the really tough sort of deal about letting everybody go because they're working on something else? I think there's a very distinct possibility. Now you have to look at the positions. You just talked about receiver. You said, what, three receivers they they got rid of, including Kendall Hinton? The, Nick Williams. Yeah, Koski, Hinton, and Williams, all, all are wide right. receivers. And what I said to you earlier in the show is I believe the Broncos are going to go shopping at cut-down day for a wide receiver. If we look at the wide receiver room as it currently stands, you've got Jerry Judy, but we assume he's not going to be available for at a minimum week one. So you probably need five other receivers. But the issue is right now you only have four. You've got Sutton, you've got Brandon Johnson, you've got Marvin Mims, and Lil Jordan Humphrey. Beyond that, there isn't really anybody that stepped up and took hold of that final receiver spot while Judy is going to be out. You thought, hey, look, maybe that'll be Kendall Hinton because he can do some different things for us. He can play special teams. But Kendall had a drop the other night. He hasn't had a great camp. He's been a little banged up. And Sean Payton has no emotional connection with Kendall Hinton. Sean Payton wasn't here when Kendall Hinton had to be the emergency quarterback. Sean Payton wasn't here at the end of the season last year when everybody went down, so Kendall had to step up. He's got no history there. So it would make sense for me that if you were going to go shopping on cutdown day for a receiver, let's clear some of the clutter out here so we can identify a few targets ahead of time. When cutdown day happens, we'll immediately be making some phone calls, and those potential unrestricted free agents will understand that there is actually availability here because it's not a crowded room. Here's uh, Sean Payne about that. Well, we've already been meeting on it. We'll keep meeting on it. I'm not going to give you the information relative to when we're telling our players or meeting with them because we'll have different groups at different times. Appreciate but it that. happens in the next three days. Yeah, we you know, know Then that. practice squad. Then So it takes a minute. And, and I would say this, you guys have done this long enough that the first week and a half or two weeks of this season is very noisy it isn't until about week three where you begin to you know the, the transaction numbers in our league become fairly consistent mm-hmm. but week one and just think every team's going from 90 to 53 and i say 90 to 53 90 to 53 protected and then once your candidates to be on the practice squad are clear so it takes it takes a minute i mean there's there's and, and then we're evaluating everyone else's cuts you know we claimed fifth this year which is high, and, and that's a, a good spot to be in. I don't, you don't want to be in that spot, but that's what it is. All right. I so. think that's part of it, by the way. Because they claim fifth, you have a little opportunity to be able to actually get guys that you're targeting, assuming that the teams, the four teams in front of you who were selecting in the draft before you, or you were supposed to be at least before Seattle had your draft pick, then you can actually get those guys. So let me do this. Let me just clear out some clutter, but I actually don't know all who I'm going to be able to bring in, so I don't want to cut somebody early if I think I might need them around. 
you know, somebody's being correctly nitpicky against you on the text line. Good. So let's hear it. Sean Payne actually was here when Kendall Hinton was here. Oh, because he was there. Because <laughs> it was the 31-3 to game. Yeah, exactly. So He was, so, he was good, he's good he's job, he's, text line. He's technically right. Cause oh, he's Ken, absolutely Kendall right. Kendall Hinton was the in the most embarrassing Broncos game of all time, was uh, one of the quarterbacks, not the starting quarterback. Yeah. That was uh, yeah. Philip Lindsay who right. took the first snap. But, yes, immortalizing Canton, and Sean Payton was watching it all from the Saints sideline. So, even better point. Thank you, Texer, for bringing that up. All Sean Payton has known of Kendall Hinton is that one game where he was the bum that their defense absolutely <laughs> destroyed. Probably didn't help Kendall Hinton's case. The defense of the Broncos, different story there. Good news coming up next. You're listening to The Drive on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Oh yeah. On the text line. DMAC. DJ. DMAC wanted to fire the entire Broncos staff. Fire them all. Yeah, man. I tell you. When it was the most embarrassing Broncos game of all time, all I could think about was fire just fire them all. I just came on these uh, I was so just I felt better the next day. When was this? After the Saints game. Oh. Broncos, Saints, Kendall Hinton game. What Kendall Hinton will be remembered for the most is being the primary. I think he had one completion in that game. Yeah, one for nine, if memory serves. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it was humiliating. I guess with Kendall Hinton, I don't know, man. I felt bad. Like, I, I felt the connection to Kendall Hinton. First of all, he's a great dude. And... I, th- I thought he did good enough to sort of be here. But listen, man, it's like Sean Payton's world. It's all right. It's good. And I get it why guys that he's got connections to that he brought in have priority over a guy that he had nothing to do with. That being said, that is going to go down as one of the um, most memorable slash least or terrible moments in Broncos history, man. That it wasn't rock bottom. Over I don't know. This stretch, I don't know how it gets more rock bottom than not having a quarterback in an NFL game. Does firing your your first year head coach before he even makes it through to the end of the first season does I, that qualify? I think the Saints game is worse. I think the well, Saints. I, don't know. I can I can lay it out for you for sure. The Saints game is worse because it was a total meltdown of responsibility and accountability. That Hackett didn't work out and was embarrassing and all that, yeah, that's not great. It hasn't hired, hasn't happened that often. So not great either. Twice but since 1970. Matt, to not, well, okay, how many times has a team not had a quarterback for an NFL game? Zero. Okay. So maybe one other when Christian McCaffrey had to play quarterback for the, it for got the Niners. There, but they didn't, they started the game with quarterbacks. Sure. <laughs> the Brahmas didn't start a game with a quarterback. The Bron- can, can, can I say this again, if y'all forget? The Broncos had a game in the National Football League that they started and they didn't have a quarterback on the team. If you forget what happened, they petitioned the NFL to have one of their coaches who had previously played quarterback be able to suit up. I, I kid you not if you don't remember that. I remember, yeah. And it was the irresponsibility of four qu- – It was listen, I'm, I'm being hard now. Understand, every single person involved with that is gone. 
all of them, everybody, the coach, the owner, the general manager, all the quarterbacks, Matt, they're all gone. So I think I'm talking about stuff that's significantly in the past that doesn't necessarily, that does not represent the present. See, I can get fired up about this all over again because it just was such a betrayal of the fans on a couple of different levels. You had four quarterbacks. We're doing the COVID stuff. Matt, it didn't take a genius to take one of those quarterbacks, whoever you want, stick them in the no-tell motel, maybe in a different state, some other place, practicing on an iPad by yourself. I don't know, whatever. You could have done something to keep one guy, one quarterback, away from everybody so nothing like this could have happened. They had four on the roster. Well, boy, I'll give you a shiny nickel if you can name all four. Can you do it? Bortles? Yes, good. Rippin? Yes. Lock? Yes. One more, come on. Driscoll. Yeah, nice job. Let's go. Nice job. Very good. Bam. Really good. Bam. And then the NFL wasn't cutting him any breaks because the Broncos had already been fine for things with the COVID stuff early. Whether you think it was the right thing or the wrong thing or the mask, it doesn't matter. Those were the rules. And the Broncos had already been fine for breaking those rules. So the NFL was not going to bend over backwards for the Broncos. They weren't. And they didn't. It was humiliating. It was humiliating. And thank God that's a firm part of the fat pass. And, and I think I feel sympathy for Kendall Hinton, Matt, because you still got to, you know, the show must go on, right? Like, and, and he was, you know, he stepped up the best he could in that situation. Sure. Yeah, so I give him credit. But the fact that that actually happens, I can't, I can't think of a lower moment in Broncos history. I, I don't care how bad they've lost. That was humiliating. 51 I don't, I don't 14. Care. Don't care. Rams game on Christmas. Bad, but not as embarrassing as that. Bad, but not as embarrassing as that. Okay. Because it was a is a it was an organizational failure. It was an organizational failure top to bottom. It was a it was an unbelievable low moment. The Broncos are on the upswing. I firmly believe it. I firmly believe it, Matt. You believe? I sort of believe. <laughs> because everything I know about you I mean, over the last I year and I a half, believe. I don't know how much believing I've heard you doing. I mean, I think I believe. I want to believe. Russ can't put his socks on without you having a problem with it. Now you believe. Oh, yeah. I know you I know you believe. I know you believe in this way. That's one thing I do know. Believe in apple pie. I believe in sunsets. In, I, believe, I believe in sunsets. I, b- I believe in having a quarterback. And a gentle breeze on a hot day. Just a small town girl. I believe in a, a defense. That only gave up three, three points in the first half of three preseason games. I want to believe, Matt. I want to believe that 10 wins is possible this year. What did 41 to nothing do for you? 41 to nothing made me feel good. And I'm not going to lie, I might have had a lemonade or two at the dinner, but still, I can sit there in that stadium, and I can go to the Bourbon Whiskey Brick Club, the, the, bourbon, Whi- the bourbon Whiskey Breckenridge Brew Club, and I can sit there in my seat, and I can watch a thousand-foot TV, and finally, with pride, I can scream, Go Broncos! 
a room. Or, I don't know, they could, you know, just smell win four games. But either way, the preseason is over. It's time to get into action with the Denver Broncos. Meanwhile, Jokic is dancing in the streets. Because there's more alcohol to be drunk and he's on a mission. Some more dry. And I don't care if he's in the streets or in a club or at a wedding or at a bar mitzvah. It doesn't matter to me. It's Jokic. And all we need to know is that real football finally starts in two weeks against the Raiders. It starts, it starts on Saturday. We don't have to wait for two weeks because what are your CU Buffaloes going to do? What are they going, going to do? Forward, you got something on this? I got something. Are you ready to roll on this? I'm ready to rock. Are you ready to go on this? I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go on this? We coming. Some will win and some will lose. Some will win. Some will lose. Horn frogs lose. DCU will see in the blues. Let's go. Let's go. This is Denver Sports Station 1043 in the fan. What are we looking at this week? Man, this is the, probably the biggest game that CU's had, DMAC, in, in ages. I think it's bigger than anything that happened in 2016. The hype and the buildup leading up to Saturday in Fort Worth, it's nuts. And it, last night it got even bigger. On the Fox broadcast of Saints and Texans, they did like a full court press of Coach Prime. They had the Buffalo in the end zone. They had Coach Prime riding Ralphie in a graphic. I mean, they went all. Aaron Andrews <laughs> was, awesome. was, awesome. was giving, you know, uniform hints at, at the new unis that CU is going to be wearing. And apparently, they're all coming out onto the field in sunglasses. Allegedly. Okay, okay, okay. They're either coming out from the buses or out from the tunnel. And if they come out from the tunnel wearing sunglasses, for everybody out there who's already hating on Coach Prime, I imagine that it's going to pour a bunch of kerosene on that fire. Okay. And and honestly, you look at this game, and I did a deep dive into TCU last night, and look. What don't you like about them? Give me some weaknesses, man. Well, TCU lost their four top wide receivers. They lost their best quarterback, okay. who, by the way, wasn't even the starter at the end of last year. All right. If we look back at how TCU got to the national championship game, it was a miracle run. There was a fire drill field goal. I think it was Kansas where they had to run everybody out onto the field and they had no timeouts and they barely got the kickoff. And, and it happened like that week after week after week. 
But that team, the team that finished runner-up to Georgia, that's no longer the team. Mm. They're without their four top wide receivers, as I, as I said. They're without their three top running backs. They're not returning their quarterback. On offense, they're only returning three starters. Now, defensively, they will have a little bit more cohesion. They're returning seven starters on defense, but a lot of their best players are off to the NFL. They had the third most draft picks from any school last season Mm. behind only Alabama and Georgia, which is actually really impressive for a TCU school. That was was easily their school's record for amount of players drafted from one team. And when you look at their quarterback situation – Chandler Morris has only thrown for 145 yards and a touchdown in three games in his college career. He was a kid who started against the Buffs back in Boulder in week one, and he only put seven points on that awful defense. CU's defense has vastly improved from the one that they had last year. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about a TCU team that now has to integrate all of these new weapons. So we're going to call them the national champion runner-up, but a lot of these kids weren't on that team. Is this a good game for a moral victory? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think moral moral victory is the name of the game. What does a moral victory look like? <sighs> moral victory for me at TCU means keeping it competitive. It means competitive probably into the fourth quarter, and you cover the spread at a bare minimum. You can't lose by more than three touchdowns and call it a moral victory. I'm sorry, you just can't. Because people have high expectations this year. So you've got to come off of... Like like I said, the spread right now it started at twenty and a half. It's down to twenty. You gotta you gotta if quote unquote lose this game by less than three scores. I just think that would be that'd be a bit of a rough look. But you do have an opportunity to start fresh again the next week in Nebraska. But here's the thing: if you're gonna catch TCU, this is the time to catch them. They've got a first year offensive coordinator because theirs was hired by Dabo Sweeney at Clem, at Clemson rather in the off season. So now Art Briles' son for his first year as OC, is the OC for TCU. They're going to run the football. It's going to be a closer game. Like, TCU only scored 34 points in Boulder last season. So how are you telling me that the team that made it to the national championship with a second-round running back and a first-round wide receiver and the Heisman runner-up? Is there any way CU can win? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you got to start fast, though. you got to keep this thing competitive throughout the first half and gain confidence. If they were to win, how big of an upset in CU history would this be? How big would it be? The last big one, I think, was Todd Reesing's Kansas team that came to Boulder all those years ago. This would be up there, I think, considering the circumstances, because TCU comes to this game ranked number 17 in the country. Yeah, but considering, I'm really thinking about it. It would be big. It'd be big. They didn't really upset anybody in 2016. Well, maybe Oregon. Oregon. Kicking off the, the big noon game and national TV and all the hype. On the road, CU wins this. Is this the greatest win in the program's history aside from games that were part of national championships? I don't know if I would call it the greatest because there's been so many years of good football up at Colorado before the turn of the century. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. One of the most impactful. I was going to say meaningful. Yeah. Aside from winning championships. Yeah, probably be number two. Yeah. Yeah, well, here's why. Considering the investment that they poured into this thing, all the money. Here's here's what I said to somebody this weekend. If it doesn't work, if this whole thing goes up in flames, which it won't, but if it if for some reason I'm wrong and it does, okay, you might as well close up shop. I, if Dion can't make it work there, I don't know who can. I don't know who else would have gotten the players outside of maybe Nick Saban or maybe like a Kirby Smart. Who else could get a guy like Travis Hunter to come play for you? And it's not like Travis came for the NIL money. Which is what other which what other schools are doing right now. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it, CU's got a potential for a really dynamic offense. Okay, 
They've got a legit stable of wide receivers. They should be able to score. What you can't have is the defense get popped in the mouth by TCU gashing them on the ground. Mm. Where you get into trouble is if you turn the ball over. One thing about this Colorado team is their margin for error is small this year, much like the Broncos will be. If you don't take care of the football, that's going to be a problem. But honestly, Shador has been really, really accurate. I think he was almost a 70% passer. Let me go through some scenarios with you. Yeah, let's do it. See you wins. I stay in Fort Worth and tear it all down. You're going to Fort Worth. I'm going to Fort Worth. You're going. You're going to be there. I'm going to Fort Worth. All right. CU wins, unbelievable. We can measure the greatest wins. It's certainly going to be talked CU, about up there. CU wins, and the Nebraska game? Okay. Oh. CU loses by less than seven. Great. Wonderful. I mean, it's going to be a heartbreaker in the moment, but it's also going to be, hey, I mean, come on, guys. They just competed on the road at a Big 12 school. When was the last time that happened? CU loses by 15. Okay. Look, they got some things to work on. Probably Moral victory. We're yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. CU loses by 21, which is the spread is, what, 20 right now? See you loses by 21, it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. A little bit of a bummer. Uh-huh. See you loses by 30. What happened? How? 50 to 20. Yeah, how did that happen? That's what I'd want to know. Like, did you get gashed on the it's ground typical, for 250 yards? Know, it's a typical Big 12 college football game. You know, like, they, I just don't know you how. can't stop you know. the, the other team's offense. It looks like a Big 12 game. I don't know. Where how, they, the scores are like that all the time. I don't know how TCU goes from scoring 34 in Boulder last year, losing everybody who was a major contributor on a national championship championship team, uh, national championship runner-up team, so, uh, to scoring 50 this year. Well, it'd be turnovers. Scores, points off, t- off turnovers. Got a problem. Got a problem. Yeah. Why, how, why did it look that sloppy? Because it shouldn't have. Yeah. It really, the, the offense should be ready to go. Defense, I think, is a bit of a wild card. See, you just loses, can't get see loses by more than 30. Yeah, I mean, y- y- issue. Yeah. Why? It's, that should not happen. Okay. So what is the acceptable number in your mind? Cover the spread. Yeah. 20. 20 or less. Yeah. 20 or less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I think they're going to beat Nebraska the next week. From everybody I've heard, that, yeah, that, that is around the, the Nebraska program. What's special about Nebraska? Matt Rule has that thing a mess already. Fantastic. And they weren't that great last year. Anyways. No. Who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. Scott Frost did a number on that team. Okay. I can't wait, man. I, I really, and, and Matt, look. Matt. Yeah. What if they win? What if C wins? It would, can you imagine the scene going into Nebraska the can next you week? Imagine. Because really, TCU's not daunting. Like, I, I could put up both of these offenses and maybe outside of a few players up front in the line, they are CU's receiving core might be better than theirs. Really, CU's receiving core is legit. If there's a better one in the Pac-12, it might be SC, but it's not longer than that. Matt, all I'm saying on the text line sixty-three thirty-six. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was a long that was time. awesome. That was a long time ago. Long was, time ago. It was awesome. Long time ago. I love all these Cornhusker fans that have been coming at me here lately. You know, Nebraska hasn't beaten CU in thirteen years. 13 years. Mm. So while CU has been as bad as they are, they've still taken care of Nebraska. I've only played like four times, but, you know. Denver Sports presents Black and Gold Weekly as 1991 Orange Bowl MVP Charles C.J. Johnson. It's a very formal way for me to reference one of my friends here, but Charles C.J. Johnson chats Colorado football with special guests. Special guests. I don't know what that means, but C.J.'s freaking awesome. And, yeah, we got him right here, DenverSports.com. Can I give you my prediction here? I think you got a close game. I think you got a close game. It's going to be in the 30s. It's going to be within one score. All right. You heard it here. We have, um, I'm sorry, what? I got that coming up. And a great 
American moment of something I generally hate, but even I, dark, cynical soul, have got to give props on this one. You'll hear it coming up. And talking about uh, the Broncos and the news. No cuts today. All the cuts that happened yesterday, just to bring you up to speed. And that includes Kendall Hinton, J.J. Koski, Nick Williams, uh, Delante Hood was waived, and Isaiah Prince. So, And then, oh my gosh, um, who are we thinking about? We've got a uh, cornerback. Help me out, Matt. Just real quick. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's on my sheet here. Um, what's that? That got cut already? No, 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 no. Hurt his ankle and his Oh, K1 out. Williams. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. losing a little bit. Sorry. K1 Williams, that sucks, man. That, I hope it's not the whole year, uh, but he's having surgery on an ankle, and that is, that just sucks. If it's the whole year, it really sucks. That's a guy who contributed a lot last year, and I don't know exactly what his role was going to be. Nickel but- corner. He would have been their starting nickel corner. That's what he was last year, and he was one you of the better. You don't think is kind of... Um, no, not if K1 was healthy. No, okay. no. All right, well, bad news, bummer news, and um, I think Bassey's played pretty well, though. I think that he was fortunate in the first two weeks. He played well, but those interceptions were a bit of a gift. Now, the interception on Saturday night, this one, that was not a gift. That was a great job in zone coverage, reading the quarterback's eyes, dropping back and making that pick. He has probably done enough to earn a spot on the team now. Well, we'll go through all of it with Mace after 5 o'clock, and we look forward to that. Mace on his way to the uh, Rockies game tonight. Somebody's got to go. Barn burner, for sure. Mm. Who's in town? I don't even oh, know. Oh, the Braves. Oh, that's why he's going to the game. The Braves are here? Yeah, that's why he's going to the game. Because the Braves are about to shellac the Rockies. How? how, uh, how you know what? I think i got to get down there then. Um, and to say, see Acuna? No, to see uh, my guy Walt Weiss. Say hi to, say hi to Walt. Is he with the Braves now? He was. Boy, I assume he's still there. Help me out if he's not. Walt is such a great dude, Matt. And Doing uh, what? I think he was a bench coach for the mm. Braves. He was. We can double check to see if he's still doing that. But the year that Walt got fired, um, one of his sons, he has several, and uh, my son, my youngest son, were on the same team. And it, I, I just cannot tell you what a great dude he was. Like, he was just one of the dads. And uh, we'd hang out and we'd get the, you still there? Oh, man, I got to go down and say, I mean, I'm probably saying it from the stands, which is what I was going to say, what are you going to call him? Like, I, well, no, I'd just be like, Is hey. that your relationship with Walt? We, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know what it takes to be a friend, but, like, you know, we, you know, we're hanging out every having, weekend. Having each other's phone number is a good start. I got his number. Okay. I just don't well, really. Hit him up. Well, okay. I could. If, you, if that's what you want to do. I, I just like Walt. What can I tell you? So good. It's, well, it's, I'm glad you like. Good reason to say I'm glad hi to you guys are buddies. They're so much better without him, though. Oh yeah. Well, they've made a lot of strides. You can clearly see a plan in place that they're working. Can people towards. can people hear my eye roll when I say that? Do people know that I'm being sarcastic? I would hope so. Speaking of baseball, uh, and we we're just uh, off the air talking about little league and baseball and youth baseball and all that sort of stuff. Okay, I got issues with certain elements of little league because. I don't think kids should be overly exposed on TV. I am all for the championship game and even, like, the U.S. championship game. And do I think, Matt, it should be a general tournament where it's not always a U.S. team in the finals 
Yes. Should it just be a 16-team round-robin double elimination and the United States could get knocked out in two games, possibly? Yes. I think that would be a fair representation, but you see where the system is going. There always has to be a U.S. team in the Little League. So let me get over all the weirdness that makes me sort of err about it, and let me just give you a moment, okay? Let me just give you a moment. It's a 5-1 to game. The U.S., this loaded team from El Segundo, is playing a team from Curacao, which is in the, you know, in the... Where is it? Curacao. <laughs> it's, in, it's in the... Where is that? It's in the Caribbean. The, oh, there Caribbean. We go. Okay. It's in the Caribbean. You guys got the globe back there? Might want to bring it in next break. And Let's they're down really five to one. Is. And a kid hits with two outs. Hits a grand slam to tie the game. They only play six innings in Little League. He hits a grand slam in the fifth inning to tie the game. Are, are you kidding me? And that sets up El Segundo in a tie game with a six foot one, 170 pounder, Lewis Lapp. Lappy? Lappy? Lappy. 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 Yeah. For this moment. Challenged him, and this game is over. Lewis Lappy does it again. California, your Little League World Series champs on a walk off home run. Oh, my God. Look, I, I, I get it. He's 6'1, 170 pounds. Uh, that may be the best moment of Lewis Lappy's life, right there. The walk-off at the Little League World Series. A, a human being hit a walk-off home run to win the Little League World Series. I don't care if he's from the U.S., Curacao, Japan, uh, Equatorial Guinea, uh, whatever. I don't care who we'll he is. We'll get that globe for you. Don't worry. And I don't care how weird the system is. I'm just being nice by using weird. Still, for that kid... That he had that moment, uh, that's amazing to me. Good for him. That That is just like, I wish we could just take out all the corrupt elements of things and just say what, and I, I will. You can. You didn't have to mention any of them. You could have just said, boy, Lewis, nice <laughs> dinger, and we could have been done. But yeah, go ahead. But you didn't want to do that, so it's all right. boy, Lewis, well done. There you go. It was a super cool moment. There we go. Then we move on to Noah Lyles, who's a mm. sprinter. Who? Noah Lyles. Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with Noah Lyles. KJ, you know Noah Lyles? KJ knows all sorts of random sports. Yeah, I'm very familiar with him. Talk to us who he is. All right, so just had the world uh, championship as far as track and field is concerned in ah. Budapest, Hungary. Oh, in Budapest, And by the way. Uh, he just became the first person since Tyson Gay in 07 to win the 100 and 200 meter um, championship, so he got gold, and he's the first person since Carl Lewis to have the 100, 200, and 4 by one Well, I am going to be respectful of him. That a boy, KJ, of, by the way. Well in done, terms of sir. that, excellent job. So way to go. He's obviously an American sporting hero. So let me start that off. Never heard of him. Well, KJ has, and he Good. just, he just uh, gave you 10,000 things. However, his knowledge of the NBA, mm. it's not... <laughs> Not what it really could be. You know, the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA Finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? The United States? Don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. 
at times. <laughs> but that ain't the world. <laughs> that is not the world. We are the world. We have we almost every country world. out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, you got him, Noah. Now, now for context, the, the degree of stupidity in that statement from an American sporting hero. It's a little overwhelming. The degree yeah. of non-knowledge from a hero that Noah Lyles is, is so epically staggering, it's, it's hard to know even where to start with that. Should we even should we help him out with our world we, champion Nuggets? Do we need to? Do we need to? <laughs> I mean, the best players in the world play in the NBA, Noah. That's why it's the world championship, pal. What do you guys think the Denver Nuggets would do to whoever wins the World Basketball Championship? Do you think whatever team wins the World Basketball Championship could come within 20 points? Of a Nuggets team who is trying hard. Yes. Uh, this, this, this no pres- way. This presently constructed no. Team USA, man. I was okay. about to say, Team <laughs> USA is going to win, which are also comprised of NBA, no other way. NBA players, and Team USA's team could definitely come within 20 points of Denver. No way. I don't think so. No way. Jalen Brunson and Anthony Brandon Edwards is going to go for 50? Anthony Edwards. Within 20 points? Yeah. I mean, they're all NBA players. Dude, I got it, but you got to be kidding me with the degree that the Nuggets are better than any team in that tournament. I'll fight you for it if you want to. Okay. Serbia, Canada, mm-hmm. Australia. Serbia, Jokic isn't playing. Uh-huh. It, 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 that's, just the, that's just the Nuggets. I mean, it's, it's such an absurd statement to think that the NBA isn't the best place for all of the world's players. Of course. Right, yeah. This, this guy's salty here. He, he chooses to run for a living. He's upset about it. I get angry when I run too. No one likes to run. Are you a? Are you guaranteeing me the U.S. is going to win this tournament? I'd be really surprised if they didn't. Yeah, I've been following it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. France got knocked out already. Luca and Slovenia won, but he's the only dude on their team. Nope. If we don't win, it's because Vlaco got hurt, buddy. If we don't win every single international basketball tournament, we should be ashamed of ourselves. I would be stunned if the Nuggets wouldn't beat Team USA or any team in that tournament by, first of all, easily, if not most nights, by twenty points. I suppose there could be a random Tuesday, but if you just said, "Hey, this game matters," you know, this is an important game. Look out, Team it, USA it would, would definitely come within twenty of Denver. No way. Absolutely. No way. Do you know who's on the team? What do you want to bet? Do you know who's on the team? I know Anthony Edwards is on the team, and just stay clear of him if there's a chair nearby. Anybody else? Can you name me another name?